Well, tonight, the Ukrainian-Canadian Congress is raising concerns about what kind of supports people coming from Ukraine to this country are in place for when they get here. Ottawa looks to be relying on individuals to provide that support, but that doesn't begin to cover what will be needed for stuff such as healthcare. Joining me now is the CEO and Executive Director of the Ukrainian-Canadian Congress, Ihor Mikulchishin. Ihor, thanks for being here tonight. Thanks for inviting me back. I guess just first a, a reflection on the on the past month that has now been a, mo- a little more than a month since the Russian invasion. We've seen what I think has been an overwhelming response from Canada. Uh, how do you see it from where you sit? It's been a month of horror and unimaginable uh, reality on the ground in Ukraine. We're seeing you know cities of millions of people uh, like Kiev and and Kharkiv blown to rubble uh, by Russian artillery. We're seeing Thousands and thousands of people in Mariupol starved uh, to death, and uh, and we're just seeing a humanitarian crisis on a on a massive scale and and intense cruelty by Vladimir Putin and his army on the Ukrainian people. What have you made of the response of the outpouring of of at least support from Canadians in general? It's it's overwhelming. It's overwhelmed us at the national, at the provincial, and local levels. Uh, so many. Canadians want to help, they want to know how to help, and a part of our frustration uh, with the government to this week is, is actually that we, we have a lot more offers of help than we can implement because uh, the systems that have been set up aren't, are, are, aren't set up to allow for people to help, um, and that speaks to the, the refugee crisis and displaced persons crisis we'll talk about, but we are very thankful to uh, all Canadians who have reached out in, in large and small ways and who are you know, self-initiating so many creative ways to fundraise and support the people of Ukraine. I guess the challenge then becomes, how do you make way for so many people quickly? Uh, We now know it's nearly 4 million people who fled. Many of them have wound up in Poland. I gather there's a huge amount of goodwill here to try to bring people to this country. We heard an announcement earlier this month from the immigration minister. So what do we know? How how much progress have we made since, uh, since those sort of words of promise were delivered? So what we had uh, Canada announce was they called it the Canada emergency, Canada Ukraine emergency authorization for travel. And um, it's not a refugee or immigrant stream. It's meant to be, uh, it is essentially a visitor visa plus a work permit for three years. So, I mean, we're not, we're not unhappy with that. Uh, We think that that's a a great way to get people here. What we're raising concerns about is uh, that, you know, this is a war traumatized population, as you said, over 4 million people, 90% of these people are women and children, because men between ages age 18 and 60 are not allowed to leave Ukraine, because martial law is is in place. And as you know, the the, the war is live. So what we have been uh, saying to the government is that if we do want to really help these war traumatized uh, women and children who've been out, out, you know, they fled their homes, they've been sleeping in railway stations and any other kind of shelters they can in Europe, uh, they don't have the means to get to Canada to pay for their own ticket as is envisioned. And they also, once they get here, you know, aren't going to be able to find a job the next day. They don't speak English. They have no um, supports. And and we're very disappointed the federal government hasn't stepped up to provide some assistance to these people once they arrive. It's one thing to welcome them here, but we can't just leave them at the airport to figure it out on their own. 
Yeah, we were speaking with an immigration uh, services, you know, one of the provincial organizations in BC a while back, and they had received no guidance. I mean, normally, you know, when it came to bringing in people from, say, who had left Syria, uh, they had a good idea of who was coming, when they were coming, what kind of services they were going to need, how to make way for kids to go to school, how to make sure there was medical services in place. And I gather so far, and maybe just because of the speed of it all, but so far, those sorts of things are not in place right now. Um, I think speed is one reason, but I think it's 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 a government decision to not. I mean, they're treating this as a as a travel work visa, right? There, this is not a refugee program for various you know reasons. People, there's a specific legal definition of refugees. We're calling these people displaced persons because we do hope they hope to come back to their to their homes eventually once the war ends and Ukraine is free and they can go back. So if we are welcoming them here temporarily, they're not refugees settling in the same way as Syrians and Afghanistan uh, refugee programs were run. But I think, you know, Canadians are assuming uh, that there are a lot more supports for these kind of programs, as you mentioned, than there are. There are no federal supports that we are aware of to help these people once they arrive. Uh, our community is already meeting people randomly, you know, getting calls from people who are at the airport, who are stranded, who don't have a plan, who don't have anywhere to stay, who've run out of money. Uh, because they've been on the run for four weeks. So we are very worried about what will happen in a couple of weeks once uh, the stream opens. If these people can even afford to get here, what are they supposed to do with themselves? Um, you know, our community will help and we will welcome people, but we need to fund the settlement services that that have professional staff that know how to, how to help these people. I've seen some some pretty, you know, there's been calls now to try and airlift people yeah. out of Poland, yeah. because Poland's not going to be able to handle that many more people either. And, you know, dra- desperate times call for desperate measures, I would say. I think uh, the numbers of people that are there are testing every, you know, the people of Poland have been amazing and taking people into their homes, but they are, they, you know, Poland, Moldavia, Moldova, Slovakia, they are being overwhelmed by the numbers of people that are coming uh, and then and continue coming every day. You know, hundreds of thousands of people are, are moving uh, moving there as the war progresses and uh, people make those decisions to because they, they can't you know they can't stay safely where they are. So we 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 know Canada has experience in airlifting people. We know Canada has experience in organizing people. Uh, this this assumption that people will somehow buy their own air ticket and somehow get here on their own and figure it out is we think a very dangerous assumption that sets these people up for for greater failure here. Um, and we, we're just calling on our, our Department of Refugees to, to you know respond to the, the needs of these people on the ground who are temporary refugees or displaced people uh, who need compassion and who need some hope uh, and, and you know giving them uh, a complicated bureaucratic process to even fill out the forms on their Mobile devices. I mean, I've heard I've heard nightmare stories from friends and family in Europe who are there trying to help people how to figure out a form in something that is not their native language on a mobile device. We're 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 really presuming uh, that people have the ability to even fill out these forms, and and there's lots of lineups at these visa centers all over Eastern Europe. So, you know, there's a great need to think compassionately and be creative here. Uh, we know Canada can do it, and we're just we're you know it's not enough for Canadians to assume this is, this is a program with support. What we're learning is there are no supports federally beyond allowing people to come. And that's, I think, very scary uh, for all of us as Canadians to, to see this potential large number of people arrive uh, under a bit of false hope because people in Europe are making decisions on what they're going to do. And, and uh, 
They, some of them are coming here because they've heard rumors that Canada will welcome them. And, and we want to make sure that that's true. Ihor Mikulchishin, thank you so much for your time tonight and your perspective. I hope, uh, obviously, we hope the federal government is listening. Thank you very much. And we, we hope so as well. And we look forward to we look forward to better days ahead. And we look forward to uh, a Ukrainian victory, which means that people can return home to their to their homes in a peaceful manner.